The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fertility FM, brought to you by CCRM Fertility. Welcome to this week's episode. Okay, so first, I want you two to just introduce yourselves and yeah, give me a little background of what you guys do. So I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. Thank you. Because I am, you know, on the real life level, Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, I'm an author, I'm a podcaster and a TV personality. So Mm -hmm. I am a regular person in on the day to day. But my business is pretty cool and high profile. Mm-hmm. But I also am a divorcee. I was mm-hmm. married for 12 years and I'm an adoptive mother, meaning I already have an 11 year old, a 21 year old and a 24 year old. So I've been a mom for 10 years. OK, so these kids are OK. So you're new. This husband. will be my first time carrying potentially. Mm-hmm. OK, so okay, it's, a, it's okay. a really like fun experience in a way because I became a mom at 28 when I adopted three girls after meeting their mom on the side of a street in, in Baltimore. Wow. You can learn more about it in my book. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. that is, I, yeah. have, mm-hmm. I have too many questions for us to sit here and talk about the kids <laughs> yeah. I already have. Okay. okay. Like, okay. They're already here. We need to talk about the future. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yes. you know, I've had the benefit of really living an entire life already. As a mom. You know, mm-hmm. as a mom, yeah. you know, and my kids are great, but I'm definitely feeling the pangs as I put my little one into middle school yeah. mm-hmm. and I I'm like, I am 38. I'm still very fertile, you know, Mm -hmm, God mm -hmm, willing and all mm -hmm, those things. mm -hmm. And I would really like to in my new relationship, you know, I'm with someone now. It's been Mm -hmm. years. We and we'd like to have our my first biological child Mm -hmm. and our first child. Totally understandable. So knowing that that's the case, I would love to know more. I am very aware of the statistics around, you know, black maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware of, you know, issues. It's actually National Pain Awareness Month, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm just very aware of uh, the perceptions of pain amongst people of color mm-hmm. from uh, the medical world. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, you know, age notwithstanding, you mm-hmm. know, I'm aware that I am statistically a geriatric mother, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't mm-hmm. receive that. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? No. I don't receive that anyway. It's just the label. Just the <laughs> label. <laughs> so I'm super excited to be able to be here. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity because oh um, I've heard great things about CCRM and there's one right nearby me in Newport Beach. Yeah. So I'm very excited to start that journey, learn more. This is going to be so good. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Okay. And Dr. Stephanie Marshall-Thompson. Yes. yes. So I'm Dr. Stephanie Marshall-Thompson. I'm a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist, always that tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm with CCRM New Jersey. Amazing. So I'm very excited and happy to be here to answer all the questions and and just also share from, I think, a real world perspective, as you brought up. I'm also a mom. I'm mm-hmm. a wife. I'm a working mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that my approach to fertility and to patient care is one that's really all encompassing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to just talk about like, who we are and how that affects our fertility. Mm-hmm. Super excited to talk about Black women and infertility mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and just some of the things we go through mm-hmm. in the healthcare system as women, as Black women. And I'm really glad to have the opportunity to educate about this. So Same. I'm happy to be here. Same. So happy that you both are here. Mm-hmm. You're both such wealth of knowledge. And I think that we should really get into 
I guess your experience right now as as a woman that is looking to have your own biological yep. child, mm-hmm. like any fears, any like what do you when you think about having your own kid and when you think about the fertility journey, what are like some of the biggest fears that you have going into it? Sure. So I definitely think that. You know, it's not something that ever occurred to me I would need to plan for Mm -hmm. because the way that I think all of us sort of envision becoming a mom in our younger years is, okay, we meet someone, we fall in love, we try for a baby, the baby shows up, Mm -hmm. done and done. Mm -hmm. And you never realize how long you carry that notion until things change and things can change pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Dr. Stephanie, if you could tell me a little bit more about that as my first question. Mm Yeah, kind of. At what point should I have started? And is it different for black women? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a great Mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. I think first we are misinformed and not educated about our own reproductive system and our own fertility, Mm -hmm. right? We learn Mm -hmm. about our periods and that's it. That's it. We (laughs) have to rewrite women's healthcare and we have to rewrite women's education Mm -hmm. from we're young. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we start thinking about our fertility by just learning our bodies when we're teenagers doing things like tracking our cycles, Mm -hmm. learning about symptoms with our periods and Mm -hmm. things that are normal and not normal. And so by the time you get ready to have a child, I think you have a really good understanding of what works for you and what's normal for you. And I think also finding providers throughout your life like who listen to you is super important. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to fertility, a year of trying to get pregnant is considered infertility if you're under 35. Wow. If you're over the age of 35, it's six months. Mm -hmm. But when should you be thinking about it? I think from the very beginning, but it's, and it's not our fault that Mm -hmm. we don't, like we're not taught that. Mm -hmm. So I think just by having these open conversations, asking our moms, Mm -hmm. you know, asking our siblings, asking our friends, kind of what they went through, it helps us to start thinking about, you know, ourselves. Mm-hmm. And to that point, it's it's never too late to, you know, to think about at least mm-hmm. ask the questions and talk to a professional, right, before saying this is never going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think trying to be open to the different things in t- science and technology that we have out there is mm-hmm. also key. Well, even what you were saying about six months of trying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm learning. And I mean, I tell I'm truly at the front end of this sort of journey. Okay. I'm learning that trying has its own definition that I didn't even know of, you know? So like Mm -hmm. you say six months of trying, but like, what does that really mean? What does that even mean? You know, because it could be six months of just like, look, my man looks so good. I am constantly trying to not get pregnant. Okay. (laughs) Like that is the blessing. Okay. I'm grateful. Right. But I don't even know what does that really mean? The art of making a baby in a different situation. That's why it's so important to kind of know your own cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're somebody who has a period three times a year, your trying is different than somebody who has a period once a month. And that's normal. That might be normal to me. So people listening right now, literally, Whitney might be like, oh, I thought I was doing everything right. And I didn't even realize I'm in, it's been eight months of us wondering why we haven't had a baby and we're past that curve. Exactly. And we're not ovulating. Wow. Theoretically, the egg is only living for 24 hours that you can actually fertilize an egg. So you literally only get that amount of time per month. So if you think about it, somebody, you know, who again is ovulating three times a year, Mm -hmm. you know, has such a small chance of getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. no matter how old they are. But they they still can. Oh, they but still they still can. can. Yes. You absolutely yes. need to. If you don't want to be pregnant, you mm-hmm. need to be on birth control. Right. Right. right? No matter right. what. But yeah, you definitely it's it's very helpful to kind of know exactly when you're ovulating mm-hmm. so that you can actually, to your point, try. Per right. Se, right. Right. This right is so. Time. OK. So 
I danced around it. Fears. All right. Okay. (laughs) Fears. Like you said, I think one of my biggest fears, I'm not even kidding, is the statistic around black maternal mortality. Mortality. Mm -hmm. I am not so worried about, you know, once I'm pregnant. Obviously, I'm worried about the process. Right. Right. Once I'm pregnant and kind of getting through that process, dealing with any things that may come up, there are answers for that. And somehow I feel like, and this may just be my perspective society-wise, while you're pregnant, people pay a lot of attention to you. Yeah, for sure. They're very like, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Curious. Very. Doting even. You know, how can I help? Because it's easier because we see you pregnant. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're willing Mm -hmm. to pay attention. You're worried about Mm -hmm. the labor and delivery portion. Right. Yeah, that peri-partum period. I'm worried about not just because all the stats that I've seen about black women who've passed, you know, um, very close to, Mm because I I heard that it's even a year after is still considered as due to the pregnancy. Right. So why why, explain to me, why is this mortality rate for black mm-hmm. women so high? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why it is still this way. I think there are various theories and contributing factors. Uh-huh. You know, first of all, there's an innate bias in healthcare, mm-hmm. And that goes back to the days of slavery mm-hmm. where women were and slaves were operated on without anesthesia mm-hmm. because of this preconceived notion that Black people did not feel pain in the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the, the roots of how slavery, you know, kind of became entrenched. You're mm-hmm. looking at Black mm-hmm. people's less than human. It was like mm-hmm. a wall that they put up some sort right. of like make mechanism easier. for them to Absolutely. make it easier to abuse them. And yep. it's a belief yep. that still exists today. I think yeah, that there's a study that recently happened at, I don't want to, maybe like University of Virginia, yeah. I think it was, where they stated that they tested medical students right. and they said, do Black people have thicker skin than white people? Mm-hmm. And it was something like 75% or yeah. something said yes. <laughs> that, there's, that is exactly right. So that there was higher pain tolerance in right. black women. Right. And 50% of medical students actually believed that there is higher pain tolerance. Right now, That's the present so day, yeah. current stat. Like current actual day. medical mm-hmm. students yeah. that are like smart, right. like that are working right now, that are out in the world but seeing we're not patients yeah. right about now. This. Right. You know, going right. through medical school, this is not part of our curriculum, at least, you know, the many years ago that I was in medical school, mm-hmm. I think now we're doing a much better job. Uh-huh. But you know, we were not educated about cultural sensitivity. Of course. You know, to, yeah. and really our own innate bias because we had to remember that healthcare workers and physicians are also people too. Yes, we're that's humans so true. first. Yeah. So we bring a lot of that to the table. And I think we all have a lot of unconscious bias in many ways. Mm-hmm. And we're so focused on the science that we're not taking a humanistic approach. Mm-hmm. So that, again, we have to be retaught on how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, that's the innate bias in the, in the healthcare mm-hmm. system. That I think so the other. Sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing when you look at black women and maternal mortality, it's not socioeconomic. Mm -hmm. Okay, it doesn't have to do with the level of prenatal care you receive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to do with how wealthy you are, where you live. Mm -hmm. And my opinion on that is I think the constant stress of being a black person in America, you know, absolutely has an effect on your body. Uh And that's why you probably also see, you know, higher rates of High blood pressure, no, heart disease, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then going into a pregnancy with mm-hmm. those risks, like I'm, I have high blood pressure, and mm-hmm. yep. that has already. I was told that I need to find a OBGYN who can both 
address those high blood pressure issues, like and has some specialty mm-hmm, around that, as mm-hmm. well as someone who can deal with a geriatric pregnancy. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like here, like, oh, am I all right? Can yeah. I, you know, like, can I really be doing this? You mean these days, it's very right. common for women to have babies over the age of 35. Mm-hmm. Yes. And most women do very, very well. I right. will reassure you that. And most mm-hmm. black women, yeah. most people do well. It's just the fact that, yes, the risks are higher mm-hmm. and it's something that you have to be conscious of. You right. should make your healthcare provider know that you are that conscious this is something that. that you're right. scared of or that this you're scared of you as well. Yes. I the feel hard like part is being a black woman, though, being voicing that and voicing that and feeling right. And being an advocate for yourself right. and, and being an advocate for your health care. That too. sounds exhausting. It is it's exhausting. Like to ha- yeah. To yeah. have to constantly be while you're pregnant to have all these nor- fears that mm-hmm. everybody has. And then on top of it, this completely unnecessary one that's like, is my doctor going Going to take me seriously yeah. like I can't I it hurts my everything mm-hmm. like I can't mm-hmm. I just can't even fathom I yeah and it's same it's true it's like the socioeconomic thing I had a friend a black woman who went into Cedars like totally successful woman mm-hmm. you know and it was she had she was had a horrible horrible experience mm-hmm. there like yeah. on the verge mm-hmm. of death and like completely says it was because no one was listening to me like Serena Williams Serena Williams yes Mm -hmm. Yes. and and you would think that you would think exactly we know she wasn't having cheap doctors we know that she wasn't (laughs) waiting in the ER you know and yet here she is facing that and what's nuts about all that is those are the ones we hear about. Right. That's I right. mean, right. I have That's tons true. of friends that mm-hmm. haven't filed lawsuits, that didn't make the press, yep. that yep. are saying, look, I actually, just being completely transparent, don't have too many black friends who've had babies where they're like, yeah, I never ran into a situation where I had a doctor that it was seamless, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, without mm-hmm. an issue. Yeah. Unless yeah. they had all black doctors right. or they specifically engaged uh, a system of advocacy around them. That's right. right. So, I mean, I want to ask about that because, yeah. you know, we've talked about the issue, but like, I'm thinking I need everybody. Like right. I need a like midwife. Arm I need a, <laughs> you need arm yourself with a team. Yeah, Literally. Team. Like I need like and so what does that look like to have a support mm-hmm. system on the back end to you know, talk the talk because right, yeah. I can have my husband in there, but That's he doesn't right. know what he's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah, I can mm-hmm. have my African mama in there and she's just going to scream. Right. You know, so right. what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's tough because there mm-hmm. is also a balance of the science sure. and the healthcare, mm-hmm. and then also a balance of, you know, advocating for yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what's right too. So I think just educating yourself as much as possible mm-hmm. about where you're going to be delivering. Sure. You know, again, just being as much of an advocate for yourself as you can. I know there are a lot of, especially on the East Coast, and I'm not sure about he- out here, they have doulas mm-hmm. who can absolutely participate with you and mm-hmm. just, you know, have that conversation, give you that that emotional support and mm-hmm. that moral support and just try and decrease your stress level overall. Yeah, there's you know, a I great think organization a in Inglewood called Kindred Care, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic. They actually partner with Elaine Walter Roth. I don't okay. know if you're familiar yes. with former Tina yes. Revoke. Love her. She is amazing and she's a huge proponent of raising funds for black maternal care and things of that sort. And they are an advocacy form. For right. You know, they're uh-huh. pretty much like, look, we can help you with a midwifery, but we trust medicine. We just yeah. want to make sure that you know Your what to ask. Heard. Your voice exactly. is heard. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's part really of powerful. And don't all women well need that? Too. Let's just be honest. We do. You know, someone on by our side. Yeah, you know? we mm-hmm. absolutely do mm-hmm. too. But I think mm-hmm. it's important that women have this education to know that this is something something that is like an innate bias that 
everyone is hopefully working on, but yeah. that they need to be in mm-hmm. control yeah. of the narrative mm-hmm. and like take care of themselves to set themselves up for like the most success right. once they get into the labor and delivery room. Absolutely. We also just need more, you know, minorities in healthcare. Yes. Uh-huh. At the All end of, of the day. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. did you guys know at this point in time there are less black men in medical school than there were in the seventies? No way. Yep. We have less black men enrolling wow. and graduating from medical school. What about black women? Black How women are that? up. Uh, yeah. That's black great. Women are up. But black, black women are, men are the highest degreed, highest accomplished educationally of all races. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they have the most degrees, the most education. Yep. So like that's in keeping with norm. Norm. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. it's also like that really does matter a lot. I'm of course coming it does. from I moved here from Atlanta and one thing I loved about living in Atlanta was I was like I have a black dentist. Yeah, I have a black absolutely. you know yeah. chiropractor, you yeah. know, it and just it was gives you unusual. a certain level of comfort. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and you feel seen. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have something in common mm-hmm. with that. Right. But while we're still working on that, we need to make sure that everybody else can see you as a black woman, as a black person Mm -hmm. and understand those issues that are unique to Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and then be able to help you move forward too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're never going to get, I think in our lifetime, we just may not get there in Mm -hmm. terms of healthcare workers, Mm -hmm. but we can at least have everyone else have some sensitivity. And I think in the fertility world, we're really working hard on that as well too. Mm -hmm. Because I get so many patients who will say, you know, well, you know, I had fibroids and my doctor said I should just have a hysterectomy and I'm 32. Mm -hmm. But now they're, I know, and I know people who did it. Okay. They went, they had a hysterectomy because it's their doctor. That's right. Right. Yep. Yeah. But their doctor usually wasn't a person of color. I mean, uh-huh. I'm from North Carolina. Totally. Mm-hmm. You all probably know about all the involuntary sterilizations right. that happened That's there, right. even up to the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really, it breaks my heart yeah. when I have patients come in and, you know, have had inappropriate procedures uh-huh. just because they weren't seen. And right. nobody asked them, do you want to have a baby in the future? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they had kids. I'm like, oh, you already have too many. That's right. There we go. That's right. You don't need to have any more. The judge, right. Right? right. Or the sheer time lost. You know, like mm-hmm. I know that I have been told, you know, during my fertility journey, you know, that, well, you already have three, you know. Right. And so are you sure you don't want to just think about it, you know, or you have such a high stress lifestyle, you know, like and so just all these sort of assumptive things Absolutely. when you're kind of like, I really didn't come in here to discuss if that was something I wanted to do. I came here for information. Totally. Nobody can tell you what your family planning looks like. Nobody. When your family is complete, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. something that only you can decide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we do too much of that in terms of judgment and but we don't know what your ideal family looks like totally i mean there's okay it's true it's like there's judgment and then it's also just the sheer questions which i've had to really stop myself from doing because Mm -hmm. before kids i would be like oh are you breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or are you gonna have a second Mm -hmm. or you know these questions that i realize now are so triggering yes and they're loaded you know you think are you breastfeeding and you don't know if that mom's feeling bad like so and i'll just be transparent about my own stuff Mm -hmm. you know know, I definitely want to breastfeed for as long as I'm able, but mm-hmm. able is actually not a physical thing for me. Mentally, able is going to be mental, mental as well. 100%. And it's also going to be time constraints 100%. because as the sole provider for, you know, my kids post-divorce, you know, it was, I have to work. Yeah, you know? right. So yeah. there are lots of moms who don't breastfeed right from the beginning, not just because they can't, but because they have to work. Exactly. Breastfeeding you know? is one of the hardest 
things Absolutely. for a woman. It was the hardest thing I've ever no done in my life. No one ever told us that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, even no as, you know, why I would, is that? I'm just asking because I, I don't think know. That I now done people it. are starting to talk about it. Yeah. Or maybe it's just yeah. because I'm 38 and I'm in this world mm-hmm. and I've had, you know, infertility and issues with breastfeeding and all that stuff that now I feel like people are talking about it. But I feel like if you're just thinking about getting pregnant, you're still not those resources, mm-hmm. those Instagram accounts, CCRM, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. popping up on your feed. That's right. true. It's not only yet. until you have, have the, the problem yeah. that you're starting to learn about it. Right. Like for the mm-hmm. breastfeeding thing, I was the same. I was like, oh, you know, well, if I get milk, like I'll just do it for exactly. as long as it's the milk comes in. Right. the baby can right. move in there. No yeah. idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No idea the mm-hmm. mental and physical toll that it took. And yeah, the pumping. You know, everything. Yeah. Like, I I have a good friend of mine named Ashley who could make milk and everything was great. And her baby was allergic to it. No. And so literally she pumped for a year. And and like, I'll change. She went vegan. I mean, she was doing everything to try to feed her baby from her body. Uh And she finally had to reconcile after a year. This is not going to happen. And it's actually worse for me to try to do this. And it was a beautiful thing at the end. She was able to donate all of her milk to a foster family. Oh, amazing. So it was a beautiful thing. And I told her, I was like, I wish she could save it for me. Because that's like, that is like liquid gold. That is like Erewhon breast milk. Okay, she was vegan. This is like high end. And top tier. I was like, this is gourmet. Right. Like, I, like, I need this, it you know. Is. But yeah. all that said, you know, I don't think we, like you said, we talk about it. And also, I wouldn't even know. I'm still here trying to figure out how to get the baby. Right. I wouldn't right. even right. think, you're not you here. know, You think about that's that. going to be the easy part. Yes. I'm totally. like, once the baby's here, it's just navigating right. it's that It's just portion. like keeping it alive, which right. is totally right. easy. It's like, oh, yeah. throw yeah. some fruit snacks, yeah. you know, yeah. put away the electronics. We're good, you know. Cover the corners. Right, right. So much more to it. But postpartum period is probably one of the most neglected portions of women's health care, mm-hmm. that time immediately from delivery, you don't, unless you have a C-section, mm-hmm. you don't see your doctor for six weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. So much can go wrong mm-hmm. in six weeks, mm-hmm. again, with maternal mortality and mm-hmm. two, even with things like now, breastfeeding. Now, is that just standardized or is that by choice? Is that like kind of what's the sort of medical? That's the standard is Got six it. weeks. If you have a C-section, you usually seen two weeks mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. and then four weeks after can that. Can I just say? I had to call my- That's crazy. Ahead. I know. I had to call. I was after two weeks, two weeks after Sunny, I was like severely depressed and was having really crazy Mm -hmm. visions of like him, like me getting home and like him being on the ground, like skull cracked, like weird, crazy visions. And so I called my doctor and she, she called me back. And I remember her asking me like the, she was like, do you have any feelings of hurting yourself or hurting your baby? And I was like, no, not those. And she was like, okay, well then you're probably fine. Like oh. we'll talk and we'll talk in a month. And I was a like, month. oh, wow. Your hormones are just yeah. balancing out. You'll be fine, girl. Which like, is well, like, I guess. I, it, and I'll it, tell it, you guys too, broken health care has a lot to do with the system of insurance companies. For sure. And all right. that too. That are dictated not by us physicians, of course. Okay, but by the system. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, so, you know, in other countries, there's much more supportive postpartum care. In fact, mm-hmm. in some Asian countries, you can actually go to a postpartum center. Oh, yeah. Right? In and Korea, they send yes. home a postpartum nurse. Absolutely. And, it, and it's actually a sliding scale based on your income. So for as little as $20, you can have a someone come stay with you for something like two months. That's yes. so interesting. Age you. Yeah, it's just You know understood. what's interesting, though, to me is because I feel like, and I could be speaking incorrectly, but the culture for women there feels different. Like 
in Superior. So mm-hmm. it surprises me mm-hmm. that they would do that for women, which is amazing. But, but in the, I think certain things are enmeshed, enmeshed in the actual culture. So uh-huh. like in African, both my parents are from Ghana, West Africa, uh-huh. so I consider myself Ghanaian. Uh-huh. It is understood that when someone has a baby, we are collectively raising mm-hmm. our child. Right, right. as a so village. So like, like I have a really, yeah, it's a village. A village yeah, you know, philosophy. and I think that that's, yeah. I mean, in America, we don't know our neighbors. That's you right. know what I mean? So, so I true. think that that's a part of it. Every you know? man for himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have here that says infertility is higher in black women than Mm -hmm. in white women and continuing to increase. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I think a lot of it is actually now we're recognizing infertility in black women. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know. And I think when black women present finally to us, they're more complicated. Uh You know, I always say my black patients come to me five to seven years later than I would have loved to see them. Wow. And most of the time, it's not that they, you know, weren't trying at that point. It's that they just either there was, they felt ashamed. Uh You know, there's a cultural stigma Uh to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is surrounding them with all kinds of chatter. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. they have, they're not sure of their resources. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not sure if they have insurance coverage or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. Lack of support system, holding it all in. Mm -hmm. So I think the length of time from starting your infertility or your fertility journey to actually presenting to fertility specialists is longer. Mm -hmm. I also think there's an underdiagnosis of conditions like endometriosis. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in medical school, you're taught white women have endometriosis mm-hmm. and black women have fibroids. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of black women out there suffering with endometriosis mm-hmm. and undiagnosed endometriosis, which is one of the toughest things for us to deal with as fertility specialists. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes it more prevalent that, you know, black women are having a tougher time. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that they're they're not being diagnosed with endometriosis. Yes. They're being told that they just have fibroids. Well, I'm saying that I'm, they may have pelvic pain uh-huh. or painful periods. Uh-huh. And because we don't traditionally think of black women as having endometriosis, uh-huh. then they're just told, take some Motrin, right. it's fine. Right. 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 We're more likely to diagnose Diagnosed a black with, woman uh-huh. you know, with fibroids, which fibroids are not necessarily a difficult diagnosis mm-hmm. in the sense that we see them on ultrasound. We mm-hmm. feel them on an exam. Uh-huh. Endometriosis can be a much more difficult diagnosis because mm-hmm. you can't always visually see it. So it's based on symptoms and mm-hmm. you have to take an interest and be concerned about it to look further for endometriosis. Got it. So we're not doing that with black women. Got it. Got it. Huh. And so... For the postpartum thing, not for the postpartum thing, I make it sound so casual, but in terms of postpartum issues as well, are are we seeing more of a, like a higher rate of those issues with black women as well? Or is that something that's not also being looked at? With endometriosis with, and With postpartum just, depression, oh, postpartum yeah. issues. Absolutely. And that all contributes yeah. to, because we can talk about there's mortality and then mm-hmm. there's morbidity mm-hmm. and morbidity, you know, in, in general, we're also looking at things that are complications. Mm-hmm. So higher rates of preeclampsia and high blood pressure mm-hmm. after delivery, mm-hmm. which can lead to seizures, mm-hmm. you know, uncontrolled mm-hmm. gestational diabetes. You know, I think in, a, in America in general, we have an obesity epidemic. Right. Yep. Okay. And it's bad in black women as well, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lack of good information about nutrition Mm -hmm. and how to stay healthy during your pregnancy Mm -hmm. also leads to postpartum complications Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Depression you bring up, you know, there's actually 
finally a drug that's finally been approved for postpartum depression. Oh, no so way. nobody should be suffering, you know, for that length so of time good. while yeah. they're, they're waiting because it's it's a huge issue. It's mm-hmm. a huge issue because then you're also breastfeeding and you're thinking, I don't want to be on a medication, but your mental health is really like mm-hmm. the yeah. most important thing mm-hmm. at that time. So it's 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 so complicated for women. But mm-hmm. what it sounds like what you're saying is that it needs to start, the education needs to start at an earlier Absolutely. time yep. for everyone. For everybody. For for women, for black women, yeah. everybody needs for to be men. armed. For, for men, men to exactly. understand yes. exactly yes. about our reproduction. Right. right. You know, we're not telling everybody to go and freeze your eggs at 18, you know. Right. But I think the point is that you have to understand that fertility is finite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to say our society has not caught up to our biology has not caught up to our society. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The ideal time for us to actually get pregnant is when we're a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we also don't realize how it's not that easy to get pregnant, even when you are young. Right. Like it's never 70% per menstrual cycle that mm-hmm. you can get pregnant, mm-hmm. right? The highest that that ever is per cycle that you could get pregnant is about 35% chance of success. Mm-hmm. That goes mm-hmm. down to 1% by the time you're 45. So, wow. you know, I think we we need to know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just to have it in the back of your head. 100%. You know, no one's saying that you should go out and get pregnant when you're not ready either. Mm-hmm. Right. But we have technology such as egg freezing that can help with mm-hmm. that. It's just a matter of knowing the facts, knowing the statistics. So you're educated to apply it to your life. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't even feel like it's our responsibility or our fault that we don't it's know. It's not our fault. Right. It's the institution's fault That's right. for not teaching us all this. And, yeah. and also culturally, like you were mentioning, yeah. you know, as like women, I think we're always told you know, that's our job. Like, we work and you should be able to have a baby and that's just it. You and know, you and need to be educated, about, about, educated all about all of it. Yeah. No, and, like, put the timer when you turn 32. Right. And like, no one they're going to be infertile. You no, know, yeah. it's your natural human right. right to have a baby, mm-hmm. right. you know, and it should be. But the incidence of infertility keeps going up. It was mm-hmm. one in seven. Now it's one in six. And mm-hmm. I think there, there's so many factors. There's age. There's environment. Uh-huh. There's male factors. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily, we do have great technology. Uh-huh. You know, but what's amazing is that, like, I'm learning just in this journey and from my research with CCRM and from my research and talking with people there Mm -hmm. that there's also so many steps before IVF. I think, you know, being sort of a child of the 90s, you know, that was kind of the conversation was, oh, you can't have a baby, test two baby. Right. And that was that stigma. Welcome to octuplets. You know, like that was a sort of like, you know, and if you want to hear about birth control, promise me eight babies. You know what I mean? And it's like, do I really want to be a mom? We really don't have a lot of multiples these days. We are really aggressive about not having multiples because of the pregnancy complication. Right. And there's steps before the steps. And for me, that's actually been one of the most encouraging things mm-hmm. as a 38-year-old starting this journey is realizing, oh, well, my gosh, there's like I could just take a pill to like stimulate my ovulation mm-hmm. for a while mm-hmm. and that there's could end options. up getting me pregnant. Like, yeah. you know, and then after that, I could do this. And then there's like a long road before IVF. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. There are mm-hmm. a lot of options for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it's so important to also like it's great to 
talk to your friends about their journey mm-hmm. and get Dr. Google information, all yeah. that. But, you know, every case is very unique. Right. So mm-hmm. it's so important to be, I think, with a doctor you trust yeah. and have transparency. Get your numbers. Talk, get yeah. get your, your numbers, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, get your numbers and talk about what your chances are realistically, what that looks like and what's best for you and, you know, how you want to go about it. Because sometimes, to your point, you do kind of need to get your feet wet and just mm-hmm. thinking about the whole process. Totally. Mm-hmm. What is it looking like to even walk into a fertility specialist right. office? I think COVID was a, a, a game changer when we went to a lot of telemedicine. Yes. You know, it was one of those things like it was awful and the world was shut down. But we had to find other ways to cope. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of patients are much more comfortable with just being able to like log text on to their start. issue, least, yeah. email their issue. We, yeah, call, the, the technology, yeah. Yeah. you know, from an interaction standpoint mm-hmm. really helps because so many people are scared to just have that conversation. Sure. I can't tell you how many times. And they times. can be anonymous. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get on a call with a patient and they're like, There's, I was thinking about this all week. Like, I was oh. so scared to talk to you all week. I thought you were going to tell me I would never have a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so anxious about it. Mm-hmm. I almost canceled. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to hear sure, it. Sure. Yeah. And they're like, oh, now I feel so much better. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, because yeah. because information and education is empowering. It I is. know that we yeah. get anxiety when we don't know something or we're out of, we're not in control. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that we can do to take a little bit of the control back. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about this in other episodes about when you should be freezing your, thinking about freezing your eggs Mm -hmm. and all, you know, the ages for everything. But for you, are you thinking about freezing eggs or? So it's so interesting Uh. because the approach to fertility from my conversations I've had with the experts is sort of How much of it do you want us, which is also, can I just say really nice? Like it really is driven by what you want Mm -hmm. if you're with the right experts, Mm -hmm. you know? So like CCRM, one of the things I loved about their approach is the fact that it's very, what makes you comfortable? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's not, hey, if you want a baby, this this is what we're going to do, you know? And so for us about freezing and all that, the big conversation is, well, we do kind of want to feel a little bit like it's happening organically, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah. so that is a huge driver of it. We're not doing freezing yet. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. jumping into all of that. And we all, we are informed about what that means, right. you know? Yeah. So, right. yes. you know, if they're like, hey, if you want to do this, we do lose time here. Yeah. Right. And that may remove these options later. Right. Yeah. But we still have these options that exist. Absolutely. You know, right. they're yeah, you have a partnership. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, right. And also they were like, what I really, really love is the, if you don't have this, 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 and this, well, guess what? If you're experiencing these things, like you said, six months, you can always come back and then we'll do this. Right. You totally. Know? So there's a lot more flexibility, I think, with fertility than people know, you know, mm-hmm. and that I and think makes right. it more approachable. Yeah. And like you were saying, a lot more options. Options. Yeah. Sure. A lot of options. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, even for us, I was telling them before you got here, we're using a surrogate mm-hmm. and our surrogate's six weeks pregnant. Oh my God, I know. I know. And it's still, <laughs> but it's, it's. There's like a whole other like set of anxieties sure. and emotions sure. and things, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and yep. I'm like, I feel so grateful to be doing this, but it's just a lot no matter oh, it's what. A lot. Yeah. It's a lot no matter what, you know, whether it happens the, naturally or, or not. not. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot. Between the two of us, we've got just on this side of the table, <laughs> surrogacy, adoptive mother, <laughs> biological mothers, yeah. wannabe yeah. bios. Yeah. Like we get the feels, <laughs> you know, right? black right? mom, white mom, yeah. 
yeah. all the fields. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and we haven't even touched on things like recurrent losses. Yes. Did right. you know that infertility is considered as a medical diagnosis one of the top three stressors? It's right up there with a the cancer diagnosis. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, that's why I've lost that's all this weight. And I'm like in my mind. Yeah. And I said to Timmy this morning, I was like, I this anxiety is like it, it's taking over my life. For like sure. it's making me not be able to do other yeah. things that mm-hmm. I should be able to do, or it's making other things sound worse or exhausting it's or it's paralyzing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I feel so guilty saying that because I don't want people like it's a privilege for me to be able to use a surrogate. And I feel so lucky, but I'm also but like there's so much guilt that, that comes along with that. It doesn't experience. take away from it. Like yeah. Yeah. realistically, I think people forget that it, you're just trading anxieties. The anxiety of carrying <laughs> your baby in your belly versus <laughs> the anxiety of someone, someone else, else doing it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, like yeah. it just, yeah. it's just Absolutely. you're becoming a mom again. And that is what this looks and like. And that is Absolutely. no. That and is I have to keep on like. telling Remind myself that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For young women who are maybe not ready to start building a family, how early would you say, like, when should someone really come to see you? Yeah. No, that's a great question. Yeah. I think that around 30, if you're talking about egg okay. freezing, is really a great age. Mm-hmm. The younger you are when you freeze your eggs, the better the outcome. Right. And I have some women in their mid-20s who are prepared and you know, now that we're seeing a lot of insurance coverage, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of women who are on the younger side are taking advantage of As that they should. because they may not be with that company mm-hmm. forever, yeah. right? And they should. But, yeah. you know, we know that the outcomes are excellent. Mm-hmm. The younger you are, the better. It doesn't mean that the outcomes, you know, can't be good later of on. Course, too. Of course. Um, but I encourage women, if it's on your mind, you know, if you're in a situation where you do have good coverage, it may uh-huh. be something that you want to explore. How uh-huh. long does that process take? Yeah. And how much is it on average? without scaring people of the numbers? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Uh, really, the meat of it is about two weeks. You know, we do sometimes some prep, uh, but the meat is really about two weeks. From like yeah. conversation from, to harvesting. No, from start of injections mm-hmm. to the egg retrieval. That's still really two fast. Weeks. Yeah, right. it's two weeks? really fast. Yeah. It's so we did this too because I was originally going to do the transfer myself mm-hmm. and then hit a rock bottom and couldn't do the transfer, mm-hmm. but went through the egg freezing thing and obviously made the embryos with Timmy. And it was not as intense as I thought it was Mm -hmm. going to be. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was to me, you know, giving me the injections and all that stuff and bloating and whatnot. But it's not something to be afraid of. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I think the more we kind of talk about it and normalize the experience, then we get less anxious about it. Mm -hmm. There's no pain afterwards. I mean, granted, I was a little little bit hyperstimulated. So it was a little bit hard to walk. Exactly. But not. Is not anything not to terrible. stop someone who's thinking about it Absolutely. from doing it. Nope. You know? One I agree. of the beautiful things I heard about the egg freezing process was that uh, once you go into the embryo process and all of that, that like you put this baby in you and you're like, what, three weeks pregnant already or something like <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, two weeks for free. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like, of... I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So are you telling me that I could literally put baby on my calendar? Like, I can't wait to get pregnant on November 15th. Yes. We're going to yes. go to Saks. Then we're going to do this. Then right. we're going to have... have our transfer. Yeah. I can have family yes. in town. We can buy plane tickets, y'all. It's transfer right. day. Come right. We are right. pregnant. Those are you the know? pros of yes. it. Like, I know you, you talked about timing. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I know you talked about it not being as, quote, natural right. or, you know, organic. Right. But you get to a certain point where you're just like, you just want.
want this baby and yeah. let's right. just make uh, let's just make this fun. Let's yeah, like exactly. if I can plan, let's yeah. plan. Oh, I mean, I get all kinds of requests of transfer days. Yeah. Lucky oh, yeah. day, anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, for us type A yeah. people, send me a Google meeting request. Let's put this transfer on my calendar. Right. Right. Like we'll, we'll just tag in everyone else. We'll have a Zoom call yeah. like I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Your question about the date. So when you have a positive pregnancy test, mm-hmm. you're four weeks pregnant. Wow. And that's either with IVF or without naturally. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you kind of always get two weeks for free, we call mm-hmm. it, right? So mm-hmm. you because end up being four weeks. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, you can totally schedule your transfer date. Kind of fun. Yeah. Are we there any other options? For oh, being... well, with that process. So do you get to pick a boy or a girl? Do you get to pick you know, one or two. Like, if you mm-hmm. want to have twins, can you have twins with, with we that process? We really discourage you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> highly, highly discourage, highly okay. discourage you. Mm-hmm. We do mostly single embryo transfer. Mm-hmm. We can know the gender. Mm-hmm. We do that by looking at the chromosomes. Okay. We can't make you have a particular gender. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you have a boy and you have a girl, absolutely, you could request that. Mm-hmm. And usually mm-hmm. we have a discussion about that and we mm-hmm. look at all the embryos together. But they totally, they let you choose whichever you want without judgment. Like, yeah. They give, my doctor gave us grades for the embryos, mm-hmm. which kind of felt like Your kids are going to be graded for the rest well, of their life. I was like, <laughs> it's like it's so you said that mm-hmm. about grading. Yeah. Because grading to me is really a great tool for the embryologist. Mm-hmm. But I always tell patients, look, if there's something in particular, you know, if you wanted a, a boy or a girl in particular, mm-hmm. just ask for it. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, of course we grade the embryos. Of course they have all these it's systems. It's for you to know. Mm-hmm. Of that course. for you to know. Yes. Right. But then but, they're like, you get, f- I got five embryos. Mm-hmm. Two are girls, two are boys, one is unknown. And they're like, well, the boys are stronger, mm-hmm. graded higher, mm-hmm. but the girls still will totally be Make okay. Of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? I even need to know. Yeah. You know, the pregnancy potential between all of the embryos, it's, it's not a huge drop off for the most right. part. Now, right. there are obviously nuances. There are obviously embryos that mm-hmm. are definitely on the lower end of the spectrum than others. Mm-hmm. But, you know, by the time you're getting to doing an embryo biopsy and you've grown them to what's called a blastocyst, Mm -hmm. which is where it normally implants in you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about generally high quality embryos. Mm -hmm. And to your point too about twins, why we don't transfer more than one embryo Mm -hmm. is because the success rates are high. So putting back multiple embryos only puts you at higher risk of twins, which leads to more pregnancy complications. So Mm. we really don't want to do that. You know, back when we were putting back two and three embryos, you know, 20 years ago. Just hope that one was that the idea. That was the idea because our embryo culture system were not at the level that they are now. Mm-hmm. And what would happen there? I mean, did that help or did that? You know, it did at the time because we didn't have as many selection tools. Sure. Now we have a lot more in terms you know of more being able the to. Embryo exactly. That you're implanting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Absolutely. Do you have any other specific questions about your journey? I mean, that journey? was my, oh, well, we did talk a little bit about the monetary part. I love, oh, yes. I didn't tell yeah, you I email. love that yeah. insurance. Yes. I think that, so I come from a world of insurance before that was my last corporate job. <gasps> and I think so many people underutilize, not even I think, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people underutilize their insurance from mm-hmm. anything from therapeutic coverage, from mental health. I know which, my best friend just told me I need to be submitting my super bills. Yes, you should. Yeah. yeah. Listen, yes, you you're should. paying for it. I was mm-hmm. just talking to someone at the hotel I was staying at and, you know, she works for a big 
corporation. She's like, I need mm-hmm. to look into my benefits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's likely covered, you know, like some degree, not, it so, may not exactly. be covered in whole, but some, some degree, right, or right. you may have Something. like two or three free sessions. Yeah. You know, so even if it's postpartum. HSA, yeah. Or yep. EAP mm-hmm. is usually what it's called, which mm-hmm. is like a program mm-hmm. there where you can get two or three sessions per issue mm-hmm. with a therapist at no cost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things built in there, but I think that fertility is something where a lot of people don't think it's in their insurance That's and right. it is there, but you feel like you have to have like a certain point of of a lack of success before that's a exactly. thing. Exactly. You know, like yeah. when right. are we able so, to engage? Right, with mm-hmm. the benefits. Yeah. So they do usually adhere to the one year of trying for under 35 and mm-hmm. six months How of trying. How are you proving that? Do you know uh, what I mean? Like realistically, yeah. <laughs> they'll be like, your man looks really good. I know you're right, trying. Right. Like, we believe that. Regular like, intercourse yeah. around yeah. that time. Or, I like, that's like, or like, for defined. me, yeah. they would see it by, like, miscarriages and doctor's got visits it, and things it. like that. Absolutely. But, if, but generally, if, it's, it's my history. It's yeah. me talking yeah. to you. And right. you know what we and do. And God, I'm like, this is paperwork yeah. to their boss. Like, hey, Jim. So. I've been having sex for a year. I've been having sex for a year. And I'd like my insurance to cover this. I promise. If it's not awkward enough, right? Right. Oh, my gosh. I have to ask for that. There's seven. 17 states that have a mandate for infertility right now. And, you know, our goal and part of what CCRM does, what other fertility clinics do, the advocacy portion Mm -hmm. of getting coverage, we need to expand that to all 50 states. And, you know, I believe that we probably will nationwide at some point because of the low birth rate in America. I was just Mm -hmm. about to say that. So So we should. That's what you were talking about when Mm -hmm. you said that, like, our bodies haven't caught up with our lifestyles. So, like, you know, we have this low birth rate and I think people blame it on a million things. From too many plastics to pollution and, you know, everything is a contributing factor, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But no, no one's really talking about the thing that I think women have been screaming from our rooftops. We're busy. We're yes, busy. We're busy. That's right. right. That's like right. having kids is not our number one priority no. anymore. And, and not even by choice. so fast. Yeah. yeah right? Like, like you know, two yeah. income households. Yes. For some of us, like I have to work right. because I have to support just myself. Right. You know, and right. it's required like for my mortgage or for whatever. Mm-hmm. So right. I need things that, like if you want me to be able to have babies because I'd like to, I need to have laws that support that as well. Mm-hmm. You also need to have adequate child care because a yeah. lot right. of things women get very anxious about is what happens after I deliver and right. what happens to my job. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens to who's going to take care of this baby? Mm-hmm. We don't have the village right. you know, that you were describing. No. We need to do a better job of that as well, too. You can bring it you to know? me. Auntie yeah. Nicole. Yeah. I love a baby. I'm like, bring him over. <laughs> I'll take all the babies. <laughs> no, I love that. Oh, my gosh. This is so good. I'm I like, know. I, what it, anything else that I missed or from you guys, too, like anything else in terms. I just want to make sure that we're covering mm-hmm. all of the issues and the important questions yeah. that anybody would have. I mean, we talk in all my other episodes, we talk about the egg freezing and Mm -hmm. the embryos. Mm -hmm. And we're even doing a financial planning one where we're going to talk about. I've got one that would be a really good one, especially for black women. How to talk to your partner and your family about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So should I just go into it? Yeah, Yeah, go into it. So one thing that I know comes up and I say this just because I'm African, right? So culturally, you know, my mom is like, oh, I love my kids. You know, I love my my children. But, you know, also you can carry your own. People will say you are barren. You know, uh-huh. like, I mean, and she doesn't mm-hmm. even mean it in a negative mm-hmm. way. Yeah. It's just culturally you are expected to Absolutely. have your own babies, totally. like carry them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that also translates into partnerships and spouses. That's so right. how what do you recommend knowing you facilitate these conversations mm-hmm. all the time, you know, getting your partner on board if they have preconceived notions and stigma, making Mm -hmm. sure that other family, or do you just not tell them? Because I'm very team, 
it's my business also. I, I, you uh-huh. know, when it comes uh-huh. to the partners, yeah. I'm very insistent they participate in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, yeah. Just dial him in, please. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Right? I love yeah. that. I, always would, need, I would want yeah. Timmy there because I'm yeah. like, I need someone else to hear all this information. Absolutely. Too. Like for yeah. every woman it. out there, it's a lot for if yeah. you do have a partner to take advantage of Absolutely. them because it's very overwhelming. Yeah, you need yeah. the support. And yeah. I kind of go over the reasons for infertility mm-hmm. in just a very straightforward, non-judgmental way mm-hmm. and bring in male factor, mm-hmm. right? And explain to them why it's so important that they get tested as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes they'll go, well, I've had a child before, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Well, first, the thing about sperm, sperm mm-hmm. changes, mm-hmm. okay? The life cycle of sperm is 90 days, right? So a semen analysis can vary dramatically over time. Mm-hmm. So I explain all of that to them, really try and get their buy-in, mm-hmm. you know, talk to them about the reproductive cycle. I mean, guys don't know anything about the menstrual cycle. They don't. Right? Yeah. So, you know, making sure that they understand kind of the basics of the science mm-hmm. and answer all their questions and give them support. We also highly recommend mental health professionals mm-hmm. if a couple's having difficulty mm-hmm. in being on the same page. I think that's I so, something that's so amazing what you guys do. We talked about this in the last episode mm-hmm. about that doctors... Like you, you need to be therapists almost at the mm-hmm. same time wow. and handle all the emotions. But that mm-hmm. CCRM has like mental health professionals that are able to work with the families Absolutely. because there's so many different. Uh, and and all the mental health professionals we work with mm-hmm. have a certification from ASRM, which is our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they specifically work with reproductive issues and they're really helping a lot with more coping mechanisms. Sure. You know, how to decrease anxiety, how to talk to your partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, how to get that support that you need, mm-hmm. and you know, approaching the couple as well too. So I think that's critical. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as I for, love this. Yeah, yeah, as for friends and family, mm-hmm. I think find first maybe somebody who you feel is approachable within the family, mm-hmm. right? It may not be your mother, it may be your aunt, and you just have that conversation, start to build your support system around you till you get confident enough mm-hmm. to kind of share with everybody. Mm-hmm. I know that it's such a hard thing to talk about, mm-hmm. but I just don't think that we should suffer alone. I, I think agree. sharing is like one of the most important things. And more people can relate than you know, usually. Of course. You know, like I didn't know until I got older, my mom is like, oh yeah, I had miscarriages before mm-hmm. you. And all these same. things. I'm just like, is huge. how'd you get huge. through it on your own? Like, yeah. you know, yep. it's yep. a real loss. It's like one in four women or one mm-hmm. in three women oh, have miscarriage. miscarriage. Yeah. Or is oh, it like yeah. every single woman? It feels I, like it's every about, single woman it's I about know. 85% yeah. of women. Wow. So, first of all, 50% of pregnancies are unrecognized wow. at baseline. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? Like, it's always a miracle to me, like, to even make a baby knowing mm-hmm. all the things I know. But, yes. you know, about half of, of pregnancies are unrecognized. Wow. Anyway, you may be testing early and mm-hmm. you see, you know, a little positive, then it goes away. But most women have had a miscarriage. It is almost normal. It's it's nature's way of saying that, you know, grading your embryo. Right. <laughs> You know, well, what we do, yes. what we do uh, chromosome screening mm-hmm. and the embryo doesn't make it to the point where we can test it. We kind of mm-hmm. call it the poor man's screening, right? Yeah. In the sense that it's not going to make a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. And right. Your body has all kinds of signals between the embryo and the uterus, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot has to happen for this to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they are like one of the toughest things that we deal with as women because miscarriages are heartbreaking, but it's not you. 
You know, mm-hmm. you're not broken. That's right. Uh, and we have to let women know that. You know, I've had women ask me, did they have a miscarriage because their heels were too high? Like, oh. you know, all kinds mm-hmm. of things and blame that mm-hmm. we take amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, it, it's not you. It's very common. It's yeah. happened to most of us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you won't have a successful pregnancy, you know, later on. Right. For sure. So but that it's a very natural thing it's, it, that it, happens it to is, women. And yeah. it's and it's extremely common. Again, most women, mm-hmm. you know, have had a loss at some point. Mm-hmm. So we could support each other a little bit better. A hundred percent. Oh, if there's yeah. anything I could take from this conversation, particularly as a black woman starting this journey, it's that much like buying a home and going in and talking to, you know, a realtor mm-hmm. or, you know, starting college and talking to a college admissions mm-hmm. counselor. This is something else where I should be informing myself yes. and letting mm-hmm. an expert guide the process and Google isn't the best way and you know your girlfriend who did it great that they can share the experience but you know but it costs nothing to go in and ask questions like why not just do that you know so So, super helpful and there are a lot of resources out there now Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. reputable resources right not just Dr. Google sure you know for us to to ask those questions Mm -hmm. I still do that though and I couldn't like as a baseline I got the heartbeat was at one second 17 today uh, and mm-hmm. she's at she's six weeks four days and so of course i'm googling like normal heartbeat six course. weeks four days that's yeah that's so, that's what so that's what it said but then i'm like it's can i trust good. google oh like i do it for seven of my kids i'm no pediatrician yes. Yes. before yes. i can get to mine you know, know. I'm googling. Yes. what did i hear it's totally off topic mm-hmm. but that TikTok is used as a search engine more than Google. That's oh, great. Now. Because we love anxiety. Yeah. We literally love to stay <laughs> like, in a state of perpetual anxiety. So what can I'm we like, do today? That's you know? where people I are think, going to oh for their yeah, But that's an American construct. It's right? so, 15 seconds of knowledge. That's all we yeah, can tolerate. So, yeah. Oh, my oh. gosh. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being on here with me today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you both. Thanks, oh, for, thanks having for having me. us. This was awesome. 